0: Hello, Real Life family and friends. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. It's a brand new year, and uh, I'm sure this is a, a season for all of us just to take time to uh, reflect on our life, reflect on the past year, uh, and also um, just to kind of reorientate ourselves or reprioritize re-prior- things in our life and uh, just kind of re- just renew who we are and where we're going and what we're doing. It's always such a great time of the year to do that and so that's what I want to talk about today with you but before we get into our main message I just want to give you a short little inspirational uh, nugget that uh, I just uh, I want to give to you so that you can just have another uh, piece of faith you know something to really hold on to in your life and it's a phrase that I've just I've been moved by from scripture it's called double double. And I want to just give you you this phrase, a summary of what I'm going to share with you in a couple of minutes here, is double for your trouble. How many of you would would, (laughs) like to have double for your trouble? You know, um, this world is filled with trouble. We've all experienced hardships and disappointments and difficulties and challenges. But there's a couple of amazing verses in the Bible where God reminds us that he is with us and that he can restore to us and, in fact, give us double for the trouble that we've been through. When we follow him, when we put him first in our lives, we can trust in him to turn everything around for our good. If we're putting him in that place in our lives. So I want to encourage you this year, put God at the center of your life. Really put him first. Put him right in the center and, um, and let's see God restore things into our lives and give us double for our trouble. So here's where I'm talking about in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 7. It says, instead of your shame, God is talking, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. What a great promise of God. Isaiah 617. might be a good verse for you to write down and just ponder in your heart before the Lord and go through the trouble you've been with. Um, take account of, of what, what you've been going through and put it before God as almost like an accountant and say, God, I'm looking for you to balance the books on my behalf. God, I'm looking for you to fulfill this promise that you've made in your scripture. Lord, as I put you first in my life, as I put you in charge of my decisions, Lord, I think you're gonna turn things around for me and give me double for my trouble. Because some of the trouble that we're in or we've experienced was our own fault, wasn't it? And yet when we return to God, God is gracious and merciful to us, and He loves us. He wants to restore us and bless us and give us double for our trouble. Can I get an amen from somebody? (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want double for their trouble? But, you know, we need to put God in the midst of that, right? We need to trust our lives into His hands, trust our decisions. There's one more verse I want to share with you out of Zechariah 9, verse 12, but let me read a few verses before that and a few verses after that, okay? Zechariah 9... Verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Now, as I pause here for a second, we're reminded that this this prophecy was fulfilled when Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey. Remember that? And it says, I will. So this is talking about God was going to bring salvation. Jesus came. He actually did it. And this is what the results of that are. God says, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He, Jesus, will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Verse 11, as for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, so now we're having a covenant, a blood covenant with God through Jesus, right? This is all prophesying of what Jesus would do. God says, "As for you, because of the blood covenant with you." Now that means we enter into this blood covenant with God through faith in Jesus. That's our part. Our part is to believe and to trust and to give God or Jesus the lordship or the ownership of our lives. Through this blood covenant, verse 11 says, "I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit." Verse 12, return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Isn't that an awesome promise? God says through his covenant, through what Jesus came to do, he will not just forgive us of our sins, but set us free from the bondage of sin. And uh, as a prisoner, we will be set free and God will give us twice as much, right? Double for our trouble, even though we were the ones that got into the trouble. And if you you fast forward to verses uh, 16 and 17, I just had to add this just because it's really cool. It says, "The Lord God, the Lord their God will save them on that day as the flock of his people. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be! God wants you to be sparkling. He wants you to be blessed, but it comes uh, with a decision on our part to put Christ." at the center of our life, right? To give our life to Christ, to trust our life to Christ, to return to God, to give God our entire life. So I encourage you on day one of this new year, January 1st, 2023, to say this year, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. I Everything, not just like so I'm so I go to heaven, but I'm giving this day to you. And tomorrow when you wake up, Lord, I'm giving this day to you. And God will bless you. He will take care of you. He, he loves you. And his mercy and his grace are towards you. Okay? Well, that's just a little pick-me-up to get the year started. But today, I also want to talk about just the idea of starting a new year. And uh, I want to begin in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the earth or of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So, in the very first uh, verse of the Bible, or the second verse of the Bible, we see um, what the state of, of uh, the, the creation was in the very beginning. And it was three basic words formless, or it was without structure, empty, so it was without substance and darkness, so it was without without light. And then God begins to unfold this story of creation, and he begins to create creation. And so he takes formlessness, and he builds structure that leads to life. He takes emptiness, and he begins to fill creation. He fills it with life. And then he takes darkness, and he turns on the light, and he gives vision and meaning and purpose to life. Keep this in mind. This is what happened in the beginning. This is what creation is, uh, is all about right now. We have formlessness, emptiness, and darkness being turned into structure that leads to life and supports life um, and into uh, fullness. God wants fullness of life. He told us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And darkness is dissipated with light. Light comes, vision, purpose, and meaning. And so you really have the contrast of in the beginning, there was nothing. There was only emptiness and void and darkness and chaos. Uh, And then it begins to, to, to be filled up with life and purpose and meaning, right? So God created this world to function with order and purpose. And God set in motion rhythms that continue to dictate creation's behavior. So I want to talk to you about uh, the rhythms of creation, or we could say the rhythms of life that God created, the rhythms and the patterns and the structures that God gave for us. And uh, I want to kind of break that down a little bit. There are natural laws as well as spiritual laws holding creation together right now and keeping chaos at bay. It is God's natural laws and God's spiritual laws that created everything that we see that's good and that's producing life and sustaining life, right? But when we buck these natural and spiritual laws that God created for life to happen, then we get the opposite. We revert back into chaos. We begin to see things break. Um, We begin to see things die, right? Because everything God did in the beginning was to take nothing and make something, to take death and create life, to have emptiness and to create fullness, to take chaos and to bring peace and order. So when we buck the natural and the spiritual laws that God used and has created to not only make and sustain life, and when we do that, we are going against life. We are breaking life apart. We are going backwards or reverting backwards to pre-creation where there's brokenness, darkness, emptiness, fruitlessness. There's nothing. And that's the thing that I want to share with you today is when we willingly allow ourselves to follow or live in alignment with God's created order, God's created laws, natural and spiritual, we thrive. Our lives thrive. There's a rhythm to life that God wants you to experience. He created these rhythms. He created these patterns so that we would have life to the full. And so this isn't about uh, just religious ideas or man-made uh, religious concepts uh, to try to be good people or good Christians. But I want to share with you, these are created in pro- right now in power uh, laws that are functioning all the time to promote life. And so we want to align ourselves with those. Sin is the act of living outside of these, these laws that God created, right? And sin produces death. It produces evil. It produces brokenness. So when we are in alignment with God's creation and his order and his rhythms, we will thrive. When we go against them, uh, you know, our lives will fall apart. So let's look at some of these saints together. And I've got two challenges for you after I read this next verse. Genesis 1 verse 14 says, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. Now we see that God is the one who created uh, structure. He created days and years and seasons. And um, and so I wanna talk about that and how that fits into two main challenges I have for you this year. Here's the two main challenges. There are two patterns or two rhythms that you need to establish and maintain for you to thrive. And those are number one, to daily devote to God. I'm gonna break this down into scripture and I'm challenging you, every day this year and you know you might miss a day that's fine but make this your goal to daily devote daily devote give daily time to building your relationship with christ to feeding on him to growing in him daily devote the second challenge i have for you is to weekly worship now make these phrases so they're easy for you to remember daily devote weekly worship weekly worship is come to church be a part of this family of god on a weekly basis. I'm going to give you the scriptures for these things, and I'm going to show you that these aren't just religious ideas. This isn't how you try to be a good Christian or something. This is the created pattern that God established for us to thrive with him and in life, okay? So let's look at the first one, and that is daily devote. So in the creation story, God created the concept of a day. I'm going to give you some things to think about some things to chew on. Genesis 1.5 says, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Or in the Hebrew, it really would be better translated as day one. (laughs) Day one. God created this idea of a day. He created the lights, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, and he created the day. We know it as a 24-hour cycle, uh, but in the, in the scriptures, it was defined as evening and then light, and that is a day, right? So, God created the first rhythm of creation is a day. There's one day, about 24 hours, and we experience that day after day after day. Well, today is a day, January 1st. And so, thoughts to ponder, Okay, truths to ponder. Number one, it's interesting if you notice this, the Hebrew day begins with darkness and ends with light. Um, actually, our, technical, our day does the same. Technically, in America, our new day starts at 12.01 a.m., right? And it's dark. Uh, and then we wake up to the light and we begin our day. But we, we kind of think of our day beginning when we wake up and when it's light out. In the scriptures, it says, there was evening first, and there was morning, second, and that concluded the first day. Now, in Hebrew, the day in a Jewish uh, experience begins at sundown. That's when it begins. So I would just say, let's just say six o'clock, six o'clock. OK, typically around that time. At sundown, when evening sets in, that's when a Hebrew day begins. Okay, a Jewish Hebrew day. And so what do you do uh, at sundown around 6 p.m.? Well, typically in our culture, we are eating dinner together. We're with family. Um, uh, we're not usually working, but you know we have lots of different working schedules. But we're with family. We're having relationships. We have a meal. We're spending time together. Then we go to sleep. And then we wake up and then we work. Now, Think about this. These are just things to think about. Our lives, okay, are to be um, propelled forward out of relationships and rest. And then out of that rest and out of those relationships, we also get to work. We have a purpose, right? So the first priority of the day is relationships and resting. Work comes after that in a Hebrew day. So the other idea, and it's more of a spiritual concept here, is in general, our lives begin in darkness, in sin, and they will end in righteousness or in light. Okay, so just another thought to think about, a scriptural truth. So the, the, the day, the day in terms of the day or the experience that we have as human beings, we start out in sin but because of Jesus, we can end in light. We start out in bondage, but we can end in freedom. Uh, we start out lost, but we will end up found. We start out in death, in a death spiral, but we will end in, in a life spiral of eternity with him. Isn't that awesome? These are just some cool things to think about. So that's, that's the concept of a day. And I would just want to say that Jesus, this is always fulfilled in Jesus, he is our light. He said this in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus is the light, and he comes to give us light, to take us out of darkness into his light. All right, the second idea of this day is the Hebrew day begins with, and I just mentioned this, relationships, and ends with work. I know that we don't all have the same working schedule, but the concept of creation is that our work should flow out of a healthy relationship with God and with our family and others, and it should come out of a position of rest where we are full and then we are able to be fruitful, right? Out of the fullness of relationships with God and with others and out of the fullness of rest, we then produce fruitfulness, okay? So all that we do in life is to come from relationship with God all of our work if you will is to be birthed out of our relationship with God our resting in God Uh, so work is not meant to be a curse it was cursed in sin when we when we went uh, rogue from God when we decided to live our lives on our own terms and be our own God then our work was cursed right but through Jesus Jesus, says that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works through him, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Work is blessed through him. So if God is our source, then our work begins to be blessed and it becomes a blessing. And we begin to be fruitful and we multiply if God is our source. And so our work should come from, what we do in life should always come from our relationship with God in our resting or trusting in him and then we have a fruitfulness to our life so it's, it's these are kind of deeper thoughts if you think about it you know how are we positioning ourselves every day mentally emotionally uh, just with how we're doing our our life are we flowing out of a relationship with God or or are we uh, or is our God a different God are we serving the God of money or the God of greed? Is that what our work reflects? That we work in order to get, you know, so we spend on ourselves, or that we have this insatiable uh, pursuit of trying to find satisfaction through more stuff, or more power, or more prestige, or whatever. You see, that's, we're serving a different God then. And our work is, is, is really, it's not, it's not being fruitful because it's not coming out of God. So it's pretty deep thoughts to think about. Also, um, I want to bring this back to Jesus. Jesus tells us what our work is. Jesus should be our focus. A guy came up to Jesus and said, what's the work of God? What do I need to do? You know? And Jesus said this in John 6, 29. He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. Jesus says, in other words, what your real focus should be is having faith in him, trusting in him that's what you should strive to do because out of that relationship with Jesus then our lives naturally will produce a work that's fruitful and meaningful and in alignment with God's will for our lives so I want to say this phrase fruitfulness flows from faith to have a fruitful meaningful life it's going to flow from our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and as him being positioned first in our life, then he will literally lead us and direct us and empower us to have a life that actually has a meaning beyond just making money or getting stuff done or surviving. Because you weren't made to just survive, you were made to thrive. You have a purpose in life. God has a destiny for you and for me, but it has to come out of uh, out of our relationship with Him, what His destiny is for us, what His purpose is for us, what He's leading and guiding us to do. So if He's our God, then, um, then He will direct that work out of that flow. But if money's our God, or I'm my own God, or power's my God, or you know, pleasure's my God, then my work will reflect those things, and it will not be of God. It just will be out of order, for sure. So, Jesus said this in John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Now, nothing of significance, nothing that's going to impact eternity. Jesus wants your life to impact eternity. He has a work for you that is a blessing uh, that will multiply and be fruitful, not just a work that will pay the bills and uh, satisfy our, our greeds and our needs and all that stuff. God's got everything that you need in him. So that's the, the idea here. So let's talk about daily devoting. And in the Bible, we have this amazing example of God trying to train and teach and disciple his people through um, this illustration and his manna. <laughs> Do you remember when the Israelites came out of Egypt, out of, out of slavery, and Moses led them out. The Lord delivered them. They crossed the Red Sea. They end up in the desert. And then they're trying to figure out, uh-oh, what do we do for food and water? And they're complaining and they're grumbling and all this. And God comes up with this idea. And he says, I'm going to bring bread from heaven for you every day. And that bread was called manna. And here's what the Bible says about it. In Exodus 16, verses 4 to 5. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, Each day, and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. In verses uh, 13 to 19, it says, That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. So, <laughs> uh, so some of them did keep some of it till the morning and then it spoiled it. It was filled with maggots. And so this is what God did. Every day, God sent manna from heaven. Every day, the people had to come out and trust that they would wake up and that God's provision would be there for them. And so if they gathered a bunch and said, oh, oh, wow, we got to give as much of this as we can. You know, that reminds me of this kind of a lifestyle that a lot of people have where they're just hoarding. They're trying to grab and get and because they're not trusting God. They're only trusting their own, their own means. And so, oh, you know, our, we're, we might be greedy. We might be desperate. We might be afraid that we will not have enough. And so we're always, life is spent always trying to gather and keep and hoard and, you know, uh, pile things up. That's what Americans do, you know. But God says, no, no, no. I want you to trust in me one day at a time, every day, every morning, one day, daily devote to God. One day, I will bring bread from heaven. You go out and you have everything that you need. And the people who kept some for the next day, the, the, the scripture says it was spoiling and was filled with maggots and it would stink and it was rotten, rotting. Because God wasn't going to let that that food last that long. He wanted to teach them to trust in him every single day. Well, guess what God's doing today? (laughs) The same thing. He wants you and I to trust him every single day. God created the rhythm of a day. And within every 24 hours, God is teaching us to depend on him. Not stockpile um, our spiritual uh, food. God needs, wants us to need him every single day. So we need spiritual food every day. That's why I'm challenging you to daily devote. This is a pattern God created from the very beginning, and then he, he did this with the Israelites to show us. So Moses summarized this whole idea in De- Deuteronomy 8.3. He says, he humbled you, God humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So what is the lesson here? The lesson is God is teaching the people, you trust in me and I will provide everything that you need. You do not live by your own means or by just bread or by food, but I am your provider and you do what I say. You follow my instructions. You follow my word and I will provide for you every day now this has direct implications on how we work this out today because today I don't have to go around this morning I didn't go outside and look for manna on the ground to feed my family and feed myself I didn't do that it's not that way now but it's still that way spiritually and so Jesus said this in Matthew 4 4 he answered the devil's temptation with this verse, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And later to his listeners, Jesus said, I am the bread of heaven that has come down for you. He told his listeners, you eat of me. You you eat of me. I am the bread of life. I'm the bread that gives life. And they're freaking out like, how, how can you say that? You know, are you as important as Moses? Obviously, you're not. Well, he was. He was more important than Moses, right? He's the son of God, and he's the bread of heaven for you and for me. And we are instructed by himself and the word to eat of Jesus, to uh, feed on Jesus, to come to Jesus. And so it's a, it's a daily uh, challenge for us to, to place our faith in him. Today, our manna is not bread on the ground. It is his word right here. And Jesus is the Word, and so we come and every day we need to partake of Jesus, build our relationship with Jesus. This is a daily issue, it's a trust issue, it's a provision issue. When we feed on Jesus every day, He will provide for us. He will provide everything we need. We do not live on bread alone. We live on what God says and what Jesus is is revealing to us through His Word. Each one can have as much as we need in Christ, right? There is no lack in God. And so every day I want to encourage you to devote yourself to Him, to grow in Him, to learn from Him. And so Colossians 2.17 says that these Old Testament ideas are shadows of things that were to come, but the reality, however, is found in Christ. So Christ actually is the manna from heaven. He is the one that we are to go to every day. He is the one that we are are learning how to trust in God and to follow God every day through his word. So get your Bibles out this year. Find a reading plan that you can follow, a daily reading plan. It's not how much you read. It's that you are connecting with Christ every single day. You are developing, you're feeding spiritually on God. And he will speak to you and he will challenge you and he'll direct you and he'll fill you. And he will provide everything that you need through that relationship with him. Right? Now, let me just remind you: this is not a religious idea. This is a created rhythm from creation that God designed for you and for, for me to depend on him every single day. This is how God has dictated um, our lives. Is we need him. We absolutely Excuse me, we absolutely need Him. You see, this isn't about being a good Christian. This is about you living a full life. Being filled with life is connecting with God, your Creator. I hope you see the difference. This isn't just a church program. They're like, oh, let's get everybody to read their Bibles because that's the right thing to do. No, 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 this is how God has designed us. We need Him every single day to trust in Him, to learn from Him, to develop that relationship with Him. So I'm trying to motivate you with some real strong truths to see why we do this, because God's designed us to need Him, to thrive only through a relationship with Him. And uh, it's not just a religious activity, It is how we are designed to be filled with life, okay? So um, remember how Jesus prayed this, uh, or he said this to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily, daily, and follow me. And then he taught us how to pray, and in the Lord's Prayer, he said this. um, He said this phrase, give us today our daily bread, so one day at a time, we are to go to God, trust in God, but Jesus is our bread. He is the substance in the sustenance that we need. And so let's come to Jesus. Get your Bible, read it, study it, meditate on it, pray about it, talk to God, journal what God is saying, and daily devote. Find a time where every day you're going and being fed spiritually through God. Okay? All right, I got one more pattern, and that is um, the, the, the Sabbath. So I'm going to talk about the Sabbath in a minute. God created a day off of work. When you read Genesis chapter 1, you'll see that there's a first day, a second day, a third day, a fourth day, a fifth day, a sixth day. And on the sixth day, God finished all of his creation. In fact, the thing that God finished with was us, (laughs) the climax. I always say we are the climax of God's creation. He prepared everything else for us, and then he made us last because he already provided everything that we would need. And so when he finished his work, there is one more day, and that's called the seventh day. After the seventh day, there is no eighth day. In Scripture, there's no eighth day. Now, of course, there's, there's another day after the seventh day of creation, but it's not numbered the eighth day because God decided to create something called a week. He created a day. He created a week. This, these, are, these are God's created norms. This isn't man's stuff. This is what God d- decided to do. So he creates a week. And within that week, he created a day off, a day of rest, and it's called the Sabbath. In Hebrew, um, the the word Shabbat, which some of you have heard this word, Shabbat, literally means he rested. It means he rested. Um, But also this word Shabbat comes from the number seven. So it's kind of a double meaning. It's the seventh day, and it's also a day of rest. So God created the week as defined by seven days. This is where it happened. Genesis two verses two to seven says, "But by the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work." And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So the Hebrew week begins with six days of work, but it ends with rest. The Hebrew day begins. With relationships and rest and ends with work. So each day you're resting and then working, resting, then working, resting, then working. And then on the seventh day, you get the whole day to rest and have a relationship and to connect with God and to connect with your family and friends. Right? That's how God um, created our experience on life of life. And so I want to encourage you to align your life with God's rhythms and patterns. For your personal vitality in Him. This is a big deal. It's not just, oh, I should go to church. No, it's you need to follow and put your life into the alignment that God created the rhythm for you to thrive, and that is to be with Him on those Sabbath days. Okay, now in America, um, you know, we consider Sundays our our Sabbath, if you will. Uh, The Jewish Sabbath would be on a Saturday the last day of the week. Uh, But in America, we'd pick Sunday, which technically is like our first day of the week. But it is what it is. So we have a day out of the seven where we set aside, we make it holy, make it special to rest, but also to worship. And so that's why I wanna challenge you to weekly worship. That means to honor the Sabbath day. So let's look at what that is. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses nine to 11, The writer says there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Now you have a physical dimension to this truth and you have a spiritual dimension to this truth. The physical dimension is just what it sounds like. Stop working. Rest. Okay, Take a day off. But the spiritual truth of this is even more profound than that. And it is this. We are to be always living out of the rest or the trust that we have in God. And we, God wants us to experience a trusting relationship with Him. And so, so that we are living out of the reservoir of a spirit and a soul at rest with God, at trust with God. I hope that makes sense to you. There can be a striving in this world, or there can be a work that's produced out of a resting, trusting position because you know who you are and who's in you. And that's the rest that God wants us to have. And you can have a religious striving, or you can have a uh, faith-filled experience with God. You can be trying to prove yourself to God, trying to do all the right things, trying to earn your way to heaven, or you can trust that Jesus paid for all your sins. He's forgiven you and you're at peace with God and you can rest in that and then follow his leading and live a life not of stress and strain, but of uh, restful faith. (laughs) and relaxation in doing what God's called you to do. So that's what the Hebrews uh, chapter 4 is talking about, is entering into our salvation. Um, That our work is done in terms of salvation. We can't, if if we're the ones trying to earn our own salvation, we're in trouble because we're not going to be able to find, we're not going to be able to do it, right? But if we rest and we let the work of Christ um, be activated on our behalf, then his work results in our salvation. So this is how Jesus puts it. In Matthew 28, 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is saying that he's the one that that accomplishes or works on our behalf our salvation. And our work, as I mentioned before, is to trust in him, is to believe in him. So our work is to trust. Our work is to have faith in Jesus. Because Jesus' work actually produced our salvation for us. And this is to be a daily, internal, daily reality for us. That's why we need a daily devote, but then weekly worship. So here's what God wants us to do. One day a week, in our case, on Sundays. God says, I have an appointed time for you. I'm calling you to set aside um, this day to meet with me all of you as my children to meet with me to worship me to rest from your work to focus on me to focus on one another and because i want to see you once a week in this setting right as the gathered people of god i mean that's i'm just trying to be as simple as i can god says i'm putting it on my calendar and it is a holy day It's an appointment with you. I want to meet with you, all of my children, together, together, gather together, make this special. That's what he's basically saying. And he did this at creation. He established this rhythm at creation on the seventh day of all all of creation world history. On the seventh day, God gave the Sabbath to us to cease from all the work, And to just be in his presence and to be refreshed and renewed in him and with one another. And so we need to honor uh, the Sabbath by doing that. So Jesus wants you to experience rest. So here's here's kind of the idea of how it works practically in my mind. Is there consequences when we begin to veer off of the rhythms and the patterns and the laws that God established for our well-being? We must come to this conclusion when we read Scripture that all of God's laws and and patterns and rhythms and instructions, all of that is for us to have a full life. All of this is to promote life, all of it. All of the stuff that comes from God and His Word and His truths are for us to prosper in life. God is the giver of life, He's the sustainer of life, and He is the restorer of life. God didn't create any of this stuff for his own selfish means. All of his patterns and rhythms and structures and laws, all of his instructions are for our benefit to be fully alive. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it full, to the full, to the abundant. Abundance, okay? And so when we ignore God's patterns or laws or structures that he created for us to prosper, then the natural effect of ignoring that or not participating in those things is our life is not going to be blessed. It's not going to thrive. We're not going to uh, be smooth in our our existence. Uh, We're going to be going against these things which was producing life in us. Now it's producing death in us because we're missing out on those things or we're going against them in an opposite direction. And so when we start to create a pattern or habit of not coming together on Sundays, not honoring the Sabbath. It's not that we're being a bad Christian or something. It's that we are going to suffer loss. Here's how I look at it. When we don't do this, when we don't have spiritual disciplines in place, like daily devoting to God or weekly worshiping God, coming to church, then we begin to spiritually drift. And as we spiritually drift, we see in the scriptures over and over again, those who spiritually drift eventually spiritually die. Their relationship with God dries up. And you cannot prosper in life when you do not have a, 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 a vibrant relationship with God. You can't. You can't prosper in life when you um, uh, create patterns for yourself that are contrary to God's patterns. You can't because God's perfectly ordered um, this existence and perfectly created the natural and the spiritual laws for our benefit. So anytime you go against those, you're harming yourself. But when you have spiritual disciplines in place, when you follow the rhythms that God created for us and the patterns and the instructions and the laws, you will spiritually grow and you will be spiritually um, alive. You'll have spiritual vitality in God. I often think about it like this. Um, When we miss church, we are missing an appointed time with God. And what we miss, we have no idea. What are we missing that we needed for that day or for that week or for the rest of our lives? That God had scheduled to teach us or give us or redirect us or inspire us or empower us or heal us in that meeting with him. When we miss that holy appointed time with God, it's hard to get our fingers on exactly what we are missing. But I know that we're missing something that God had planned for us to have, receive, uh, know, learn, change. And so this is part of God's pattern. So I encourage you this year, make it a priority of your life to daily devote and weekly worship the Lord so you can receive all that he has for you. This is how we can live uh, just a great spiritual and and physical and mental and emotional life of abundance. God wants you to prosper, and he wants to give you double for your trouble. Amen? So as I kind of conclude this, um, look at just this verse out of Isaiah chapter 58. God is talking through the prophet Isaiah in verses 13 and 14 about the benefits of honoring the Sabbath, of meeting with God, of worshiping God on a weekly basis. Here, Here it goes. It says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way, and not doing as you please, or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land, and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I mean, this is pretty poignant of what God is saying. He said, like, Look, if you don't just do whatever you want on the Sabbath, If you don't just go your own way, do whatever you want, speak out of words, just kind of do whatever, do your own thing, but you honor the Sabbath. You show up. You make it holy. You make it a delight. You come to meet with me, like I've said. You put this on your calendar. You you follow this this pattern of meeting with me. This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to fill you with joy, right? I'm going to cause you to have victory and triumph in your life. And you're going, to, you're going to feast on your inheritance. You're going to have an abundance in your life. You see, God says, meet with me so I can bless you. Meet with me so I can fill you with my joy. Meet with me so I can lead you in triumph. And that's really the idea behind double for your trouble as well, is we got to put God first in our lives. We need to trust him with everything that we have. And God will turn things around for us. So my encouragement today for you and for this year is to be diligent in establishing and maintaining at least these two spiritual disciplines in your life of daily devoting, spending time feeding on Jesus, the bread from heaven that brings us life. Without that bread, without that sustenance in our spirit, we will grow weak and weary and we will falter and we will faint We need food, spiritual food, not just physical food. We need Jesus, right? And we need a weekly worship God so he can fill us with joy, give us victory, uh, bless us with abundance. He will lead us, teach us, guide us, heal us, correct us, empower us, uh, cause us to, to know what to do as we meet with him and follow him this year. So right now, let's start that commitment. Pray this prayer with me if you want to put Jesus at the center of your life. You want to surrender to Him your life, not just today, but for this year and every day this year. Let's live a life of submission and honor to Jesus. If that's your desire, let's pray this prayer together, okay? Say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you that you love me and you came to save me. And today, I choose to rest in you. I choose to trust in you. I believe in you as my Savior and as my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I'm all yours, Jesus. And help me to establish and maintain these disciplines in my life that you created for me so I can thrive in relationship with you, so I can have all the provision that I need through you. Lord, help me to study and read your word this year. Help me to be consistent in that so I can grow in you. And help me to be consistent in honoring the Sabbath, meeting with you, meeting with other, God's other children, my spiritual family, To not only be a blessing to others, but to be blessed by others and to grow and learn. I'm all yours, Lord. Thank you for this new year. Lord, I pray for double for my trouble as I give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that that is your decision today and one day at a time. Remember, God created these patterns and rhythms. So let's live our lives in alignment with those. Let me pray a blessing on you now uh, as we conclude this message, okay? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.